There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Box Set Pod. Happy New Year! It's 2019, officially, now that we've said it. My name is Howell. Jamie is with me, as ever. Yeah. And Matthew Wanless from London is with us as well. Good evening, Matthew. All right, there. There we are. There we are. Okay, um, I'll just stop this music. Jamie was very loud, Matthew very quiet. Bear that in mind, fellas. Let's continue. Tonight, we're talking about uh, another smorgasbord of uh, box sets that are happening. We'll, we won't ruin any for you. Uh, we just want to... Uh, Kind of, uh, as usual, trying to take a pick of what's out there and, and maybe recommend what we've got whilst just having a chat with some friends. Unfortunately, I couldn't find any of those. I've just got Jamie and Matt. And um, so, 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 yeah. So, what have we been what did we, did we all have a good Christmas and New Year? I did, actually, yeah. Is this the first one of the New Year? This is the first one of 2019. Holy hell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, thought it. What, what did you do New Year's Eve, Matthew? What did it look like? Was it at home? Oh, man, New Year's Eve was, uh, yeah, me, my wife, and my parents playing games. Nice, nice. Yeah, your mum yeah. was texting me, actually, I remember. Um, Jamie, what about you? What were you doing? It was we my stepmom, to... just, just for clarification. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, nice we're to text you Sorry, I call him. I call him mum. It's just carry carry on, Jamie. Oh, we, we went to Crosby Beach. You know where the Gormley um, statues are. Wow. Stared at some uh, of the statues' penises, which were bigger than I thought they'd be. To be honest, <laughs> is that is that um, a feeling you often have when you catch sight of a penis? Yeah, I always go, that's not a normal one, is it? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> wow. Even when I saw George's. <laughs> <laughs> that's Jamie's baby child, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah, thought we'd yeah, be talking about George's baby. penis on the podcast, but I suppose the day was inevitable. Um, I just thought it would be in about 18 years and something to do with the police. Uh, but there we go. Jamie brought it up sooner. Oh, um, <laughs> what did, well, let's ask you now, what did you do for New Year? Oh, well, if you've watched La La Land, I was on the pier that they dance on, um, celebrating New Year's Eve in Los Angeles, then getting very drunk, then staying up, and there's a long story involving a front desk lady and every member of the Hermosa Beach Los Angeles Police Department and me, which... Is a story for another time, but let's maybe just do an extra podcast on your own, just telling that story. How <laughs> it's basically just sometimes uh, I tend to be quite a happy drunk, but slightly overconfident. And there was a fight going on, which I sort of got involved with, and the police were called. Oh. But I, I didn't take part in the fighting. 
Uh, I just took part in the trying to uh, broker a peace deal. And, uh, you do realise that in America they have guns, how Yeah, but ironically, we'd been watching from a balcony these police all night on the pier who were bored, because Formosa is like where Jack Black lives. It's, it's a very affluent part of Los Angeles, and they never have anything to do. So when something does happen, if they get called, like the receptionist did, um, they all come in screeching cars, and then they came running in, and I went, I've been watching you all night, you look a bit bored. Um, but I think they found that I was charming but I, that might be wrong uh, my memory <laughs> might I, I can pretty much guarantee mm. that wasn't what they thought hell. <laughs> um, well it was a great yeah. new year and uh, it's, I'm glad to be here January's nearly over and Matthew has turned to sex is that true Matthew? I'm looking into it. Okay. So, sex education. Uh, I haven't watched any of this. Jamie, you've uh, not... Have you watched any? I have started it. Okay. Is this Gillian Anderson? It is. She is in it, yeah. Right. Yes. I saw a little advert just before I came out. I didn't realise she was the woman in it. I'd seen the advert before. And all I've seen of it is the a bit where she turns to her son and says, I notice you've been masturbating i think uh would you like some lessons or something like that um what's the setup of this matthew uh so um yeah otis uh played by what the hell is his name he's the kid who's asa butterfield asa butterfield there you go um is the is julian anderson's son sorry excuse my throaty throat Mm -hmm. and um julian anderson is um yeah a sex therapist uh, they live in Wales, I believe, or at least the, the thing was shot on location in Wales. Could be well, anywhere in the countryside. It's sort of an affluent area. Yeah, I mean, can I just start step in there? Because I was trying to work out where it was set, and I was also trying to work out like it. All right. Anyway, you you finish the synopsis because I've got a few thoughts. Anyway. Yeah, sure. So it, it's in an affluent countryside area, and um, uh, Gus, not Gus, Otis, sorry, is um, going to a fictional um, well-to-do kind of. Um, uh, secondary school slash sixth form academy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, yeah, well, there's, there's, there seem to be no younger kids, so it's uh, 16 and above. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone is going crazy go nuts about sex. And uh, he's having terrible problems in that area. He won't, uh, he can't touch himself. Uh, he's, he's never had sex. He's got no sexual experience. And uh, this is all due to kind of experiences that he's had with his mum and his dad, who are both sex therapists. Um, but that is, those experiences have also given him a tremendous wealth of knowledge on the subject. Right. And uh, through his interactions with another character called Maeve, played by Emma McKay, um, they set up a kind of sexual health clinic for the teenagers in the school and he gives uh, advice to couples who are struggling in one way or another. Okay. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's very kind of... There's a very Skins kind of vibe to it. Uh, it seems like it's for a young younger audience than myself and Jamie, but I, um, I, based, I started watching it on Monday last week, I think, and I finished it. So wow. uh it it kind of just fell into a groove have... somewhere with me and uh I found myself really enjoying it when I thought at the start that I was not going to. Do you um, um, do you often find on this yeah. subject that you enjoy it but you're quite a quick finisher? 
That's exactly. Uh, hold on a second. That's a veiled <laughs> metaphor for my sexual prowess. Very uh, cleverly woven in there. Hal. Good. So you um, sucked it right up. You you plowed right through it. Yeah, I deep throated it. <laughs> oh, you took it too oh, far. Come on. I mean, well, the line? that veil that was whipped away. Oh, no. <laughs> right down to the hilt. Oh. oh stop it. I'd like to distance myself from the comments of Matthew Wanders. Um, I'm straight. So, great. So, so, it, so I'll take it. It's good then. I mean, you did well, You did there say, I think it's aimed at a younger audience. Do you, do you feel like you were slightly binging on something that isn't quite yours, but you enjoyed it? Uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I'm looking at it objectively and thinking it's not it's not amazing. Like none of the none of the people in it are incredible, um, and there is that kind of it, it, there's a weird um, incongruity about the dialogue and the setting and the actors well, because yeah, it's got a very American feel to it. I was in exactly the way that they what talk. I was going to say. Yeah, it feels like he's trying to make. It's trying to win over both markets, American and the UK market, and just do this very generic. At times, it feels like you're in an American high school where there's jocks with like uh, uh, yeah, with leather kind jackets, of jackets. yeah, and and even where it was set, you said it was Wales. I thought it was in North, it's somewhere in um, and like the west coast of America at times with the setting. Yes, I know what and you then mean. You've got the it's and it's got the locker feel like the school locker feel so it has that americanized feeling and at the same time it's very british comedy in there the the, the comedy is very british at times yeah and then i was also thinking at times i felt like i was is it set in the 70s i thought early on because of the the style of the the, yeah, and all the, the, the cars fashion. are really um old, yeah. aren't they they're all and kind then, of vintage cars i think halfway through maybe th- 40 minutes into the first episode maybe it's i think it's the first episode someone pulls out a mobile phone for the first time and I'm yeah, like, but it's, oh, it's clearly the modern generation because yeah, they're all texting, and yeah, yeah there's loads of uh, and everyone's talking about porn and yeah. things like that. It's a, it's, yeah, it, 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 it is it's a very odd melange of stuff. It's like I just um, yeah, but is this they, a, they is this a unique each other thing? Smart, is this which c- is a very American piece of dialogue? Yeah, and, yeah. And can this yeah. not be a charming thing? Is this something that, that that is a positive to it that you suspended your disbelief on, Matt? Or or is I was I was fine with it. It didn't bother me. It was just uh, it, it felt a little bit um, kind of amorphous and nebulous with it. But uh, I didn't mind. It didn't bother me. I suppose the danger here is is the idea. You know, as soon as somebody mentions the word markets when they first start talking about something, Jamie, it's um, mm. uh, that's a bit concerning. Do you, it's not. You well, don't you don't I, feel I'm, like it's a, yeah. a particularly conscious decision. You think it's for perhaps uh, cynical reasons. And I, I, I'm probably being I'm, I'm probably a bit cynical about the show at the moment. That's why I mean I'm not. I've watched two episodes, um, and the first episode I just spent trying to figure out where it was set, when it was set, and it just who who were these people and what world were they in. And it was like, I, I couldn't relate to it because even though I'm not a young person per se anymore, I, my school life was nothing. Like the amount of sex these kids are having and where they're having it is it's unbelievable. It's just, it makes me quite angry, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no respect for school property, anyway. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're up on the science lab tables. You've been clearly you know. warned that there's asbestos in that building. Just get out. Yes, I know. 
and uh, <laughs> you're yeah, this is the goddamn. <laughs> do you think this is a, an accurate picture depiction of what teenagers are doing at school now? Got well, no idea. I, I don't know. Maybe All they I are. Know. Maybe so, I, I'm sure some were doing this when I was at school. Yeah. It's just that I didn't know about it, <laughs> and I had no played no part in it whatsoever. Yeah. I was but we're, we're twenty jump. years older than the characters, you know. Maybe they yeah. are. Maybe with with the effect of pornography and the they're just more literate and active in this. I I don't know. I don't think so. Having working with young people as I do, I think they display the same fear and uh, you know everything that we did. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I always remember the conversation I overheard when I was a kid. Um, I was sat on the stairs and my mum and dad were having a dinner party and I was listening in and somebody said to the other one, apparently, Laura's going out with such and such a body. What does going out mean at their age? Sharing a Mars bar? And I thought, if only you knew, if only you knew about the... (laughs) The fingering that was going on. Oh, the fingering! Wow. Whoa. But I became acutely, yeah, I became acutely aware (laughs) at a young age that uh, perhaps when I was an adult, try and move everything back ten years in order to guess where everyone else is. Probably. Mm. But look, I mean, it's it's got a lot of charm to it, and Mm. I I like how kind of um, unapologetic it is. dealing with the subject because it's an important subject mm-hmm. and um, particularly how uh, there's, a, there's a really good episode about um, Five In, I think, uh, where uh, the, the, the sort of climactic um, scene of it is th- like the most gratuitous use of the word vagina you're going to hear in a, a teen drama. Really? And it was... Uh, but it was really good. It was like, it, it was it was very much a kind of this word doesn't get said enough. Yeah, kind of thing. Loads of people talk about dicks, but uh, yeah, no one yeah. talks about vaginas. Yeah. I think, and uh, it's it, it, it's a good show in that regard. It's got um, excellent gender representation, and um, yeah, really good show. I do like vagina as an insult more than dicks, and I, I think that's because it's uh, less used. You know. Yeah, it makes you feel like a hipster. Yeah, so tell me, Matt, what is the right age to lose your virginity? Uh, I wouldn't like to venture, well, you'd, really. You'd go with the legal age, wouldn't you? You'd go with the legal age. But I would actually say you shouldn't lose your virginity until you've matured <laughs> into a proper, fully formed <laughs> adult. Until you were uh, Jamie's and, age. And, and, so 20, <laughs> I'd say 21 at the earliest. Yeah, yeah. So, and even then, you're pushing it. Is it for, going to annoy you, know? you, Jamie, if when George is the right age, that he's just like an absolute impresario and just beating off the girls from like the youngest age and just everything that uh, you weren't? <laughs> I'll be very bitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I will do everything I can to destroy his love life, you know. Whereas Matthew, <laughs> whereas Matthew, you will be tr- trying to destroy your child's love life for a different reason because you've got a girl. Well, that's uh, very old-fashioned of you, Howell. Oh, but it's true, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it? Surely, if you if you're a dad, still Jamie's going to be like secretly quite proud if he gets lots of girlfriends. Whereas if your daughter brings home a, the first time your daughter brings home a boy, are you going to be incredibly welcoming and happy about it? 
I'd be protective of her in any in the same way that I would hope anyone would be, in the sense that I'd want to prevent anything actually bad happening to her. But I don't care if she wants to uh, meet people and engage in things, albeit in a safe way. You know, that's very diplomatic. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, very diplomatic. Getting back to sex and education. I, I imagine Cheryl. Matt saying that sentence whilst holding a shotgun on a rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, I don't have that at all. I really don't. Really? Oh, well, that's nice. Well done. Well done. It's yeah. just that if you've been a boy, you know what boys are like. That's the thing. And it's like... Well, I was a very well-mannered boy, so I've been a boy, and I know... You were never a boy. Like. You were never a boy. <laughs> you were a strange little creature that just had his mum made him sandwiches. respectful. You spent all your time with your mum. It was like... I was like, I was, I was like Jimmy Stewart with women. I was like, oh, shucks, uh, <laughs> I'd like to lasso you the mood. <laughs> You know, that's the kind of guy I was. I like, I like the cut of your jib, Jamie. Well <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. He never spoke anyway, to any. It was, his middle name's Oedipus. Carry on. Anyway, just back to the situation. You, you, you're right about what you said uh, at some point, Matt. You said that the show's it's very confident in it, within itself in the humour. I think he said something like that. Or it's... It, I, don't, I can't remember what exactly he said. I'm at the stage now where... I'm trying. I'm still finding it a little bit like it's walking that line between funny and annoying. Like it's it's very close to being annoying, but at the same time, there are funny bits in there that just kind of drag me back. Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't think it edge. ever becomes truly funny in the sense mm. of, of like an actual comedy. It's yeah. it's a comedy drama, um, so it's amusing and it's over the top and it's kind of you know it's a bit outrageous, but. Like I, what I did say was that it was unapologetic about what it's talking about. That was it, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, in, in the sense that it's like, if you're going to enjoy this, you're going to have to get over the fact that we're constantly talking about dicks and vaginas and yeah. uh, sex, and we're going to be mentioning lots of sex acts. It's going to be kids that are involved in it. Mm. Um, and you just have to get past that, otherwise don't watch it. Well, that's nice, yeah. and it's always entertaining when you talk to someone or when you see, when you see somebody talking um, in a field that they know, they just take it very seriously and matter-of-factly. So I suppose that that tone's correct for people who are sex therapists and have been around it. So it's, it's unashamed of talking about the subject, but it also captures the cringe moments when necessary. That and also, it's, it's, it, going back to what you were talking about, it's not just like everyone in school is having sex all the time. There's a lot of stuff about people who aren't right. and the pressure that comes with that. There's this uh, character I think you may have met already, um, uh, Jamie, uh, this girl who is just like, she's a virgin She's and she's clearly very kind of um, atypical in the sense that she's quite nerdy and she draws loads of comics and things like that. And she just kind of decides that it's time for her to have sex and experience it and figure out what it's like. So she's just going up to people and going, will you have sex with me? (laughs) In a very matter-of-fact kind of way. Hmm. And so, I I don't know, you'd have to watch it. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, this show is brilliant, but I watched it all. Yeah. And it just rattled through for me. Like, I was just going, yep, I'll have another one. Let's keep going, yeah. let's keep going. So it's entertaining. The, the arc of the story across the whole season is relatively predictable. Okay. But, um, but each individual it's... episode will um, surprise and delight. Why? Do you learn things? Have you learned something, Matt? Uh, no, but then I'm very wise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so wise, I, I, I would know. I would know. Um, well done. Good, thank you. 
has either right. of you watched you have you watched any of you on Netflix? no have you heard this of is, it this is getting yeah there's a lot of talk about it mm. on the social medias yeah yeah this is kind of uh, about a guy who essentially stalks a girl but he, she thinks that he's getting to know her very well but he uses social media against her it's like a life lesson in the dangers of having everything on social media and what's possible but also this character appears to be the modern dexter dexter for the young folk um there, there is an element well, to him that is uh dark and something bad is going to happen you think yeah Doing i saw the trailer it's it's good. We're we're on about episode three. I just watched episode three before coming here, and uh, yeah, it's good. It, it kind of it doesn't string out. You it, at first you think, well, the whole first series is going to be him not actually talking to her, just stalking her, and then they kind of speak within a couple of episodes, and and so things do move. It doesn't do the old uh, stretchy, stretchy, annoying Netflix thing that annoys me. But at the same time, well, I've it, just seen. I've just looked at it on IMDb and I've seen one of the titles of one of the episodes has the word Bluebeard in it, so it's not going to go well. Why? What's Bluebeard? Bluebeard's a horrible story about... Oh, um, is it? A man who uh, takes women prisoner. Right. Well, they're, yeah, they're also... They're both big literary fans, so that might influence that as well. But, yes, it's... Um, there's, there's, I again, I, well, I'm, I feel as lukewarm about this as Matthew does about the other. Perhaps I, I think it's good hoovering it up, good January fodder. Uh, but it's taken a couple of sort of contradictory steps, which I can't go into. But, but I, it's it's good in the same way that I enjoyed Dexter and watched a lot of it, and wouldn't claim it was the greatest thing ever made. Um, it's got some nice games to it and some nice interplay and stuff. So yeah, quick mention for you on Netflix. <coughs> Jamie, your choice. What do you want to talk about? Well, uh, well, I thought you were going to talk about Maisel next. Yeah, so you challenged Maisel. me... No, you didn't. You challenged me to watch the Jim Carrey one. What was that called? It was called Kidding. I forget every time what it is and I'm watching it and I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's brilliant. I, I absolutely knew this was right up your alley, Howell. I knew you would love this show. Well, I, I forget... I didn't know anything about this. What is this? It's directed by Michel Jean Gondry, who, who directed Eternal Sunshine in the Spotless Mind. Did you enjoy that film, Matthew? I did, very much. Um, so it's... It, whenever I see that film pop up and it's an option to watch it, I feel like it's going to be really hard work and heavy, because it, it's quite, you know, it's very much of its own sort of introspective, slightly wanky style. And... And then I forgot, and what, watching this reminds me of what's great about Michel Gondry, which is that actually he's a really good entertainer. It's not just art, it's really good entertainment, and it, the sets are often very much uh, in situ. So say Jim Carrey's in one house and someone's in the next house, you know that those sets are actually built next to each other, and and there's a, still something theatrical about it all. There's something about the sets which kind of feel like a set it always feels a bit like a theater piece and you know that he's put as much stuff in camera as possible in terms of the yeah. effects so it's really it's uh, it's lovely to return to that style and be reminded uh what those two together can do they didn't write it the other another guy wrote it but no. um it's basically about it's about jim carrey plays a really famous t children's presenter in in america think mr tumble um, and he has a he goes through sort of a, a bit of a breakdown. And he's been around for years. A family tragedy. Been, everyone yeah. in America knows his name. And if he was to walk in a room, any criminal, any grown adult would just melt because he was there. Matthew, are you having a wee? 
No, I'm pouring myself a glass of wine. Okay, Sorry. good, good. Just making sure. Uh, yeah, so um, so he's he is he is like I, I don't know the David Letterman of children's TV, and everybody loves him. Carry on, Jamie. Okay. Now that, that that's uh, the okay. basic premise. Fine. Yeah, Jim Carrey. He's a family tragedy goes through, and it involves him having going through a nervous breakdown, sort of in which he is questioning the way he. The messages he gives to children and how he gives them, uh, but also he works with his father on this show. His father's like the company's kind of boss, and uh, he works with his sister, makes the puppets, Catherine Keener and Frank Langella in these roles, and they're both brilliant. And uh, it's uh, it's a great cast. Do you know what I hadn't realised yeah. three episodes in that that's his dad and his sister. <laughs> I kept wondering oh, what really? the relationship was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And the showrunner, you know, his that's dad is his dad is all about the brand. So it's like, listen, he wants to go on and talk about death in front of kids on TV, and his dad's going, "They, the kids do not want you to do that. You've got forty million dollar price tag on your head. We sell your dolls. You don't go on and do that." And it's the battle between art and entertainment in that sense. Uh, and you get the feeling his dad is quite cruel and would uh, sell him down the river if he needed to. But you sort of also see his point of view it's sort of sesame street you know big bird shouldn't go on and um do a show about uh rape and how to avoid it you know it's kind of like that so it's really good and it's it's i, I can't watch more than a couple at a time jamie it's yeah a bit I like agree. eternal it's sunshine it's a bit of effort um it's on now, now TV, tv or your sky box okay, so sky yeah um so that's sky great atlantic uh, and then yeah, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the second series, finished it, hoovered it up. Love, love it. Just love it. I, I, uh, I talked to somebody into this show. at work about this show, and their thoughts were, it's the best show they've ever seen. And he's a real TV guy, mm. this guy. It's the best show he's ever seen, ever. That's how much he loves wow. Mrs. Maisel. I kind of agree yeah. with that. It's... Um, it's hard for me to not spot certain things. Like, for example, uh, I can notice the difference between an episode that's written by Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, Daniel Palladino. Daniel Palladino will have written the episode if there's a really bad knob gag in it. He was producer of Family Guy, and he, he will sell a character down the river in order to make a good knob, jag, knob, knob gag, you know. Um, and and I, I prefer that whilst his humour's quite male and crass, I prefer Amy Sherman's writing, which I think, whilst Handmaid's Tale seems to be trying to give a message and is important, this is the embodiment of a show written by women, starring women, uh, not afraid of being sexist or make mistakes or being unpolitically correct, but being a really really strong show about women and um alex borstein who who has voiced uh lois in family guy for the last however many years yes um she plays a queer character i think it's i think queer is the correct uh definition of her i'm not sure but uh if i'm wrong you can correct me and uh and it's a embodiment of that kind of character without it having to be talked about or labored across and and the whole thing is in this style as if as if you did Mad Men the musical and then removed yeah. the music. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's wonderful. And and there we go. So season two begins and you think, well, how are they going to continue this plot? And, you know, in the last 
uh, last time we talked about this, I mentioned how the amount of money they have been able to spend on this. They're doing loads of casual outside shots of New York in the 50s. And you're like, this is unbelievable. No other show would, for the sake of a five-second shot, set up an entire street that doesn't look like the back of a studio lot that's been used a million times. And then the start of season two... I won't spoil anything, but they go to the other side of the world and actually film there and actually set it up like it's 1950s. And it's just so lovely, having supported Gilmore Girls for so many years and seen what they tried to do with that. It's so lovely to see those writers and that woman, Amy Sherman Palladino, who was writing when Aaron Sorkin was getting all the credit, when, uh, what's his name, who uh, made Super 8 and all of those films... uh, Josh, J.J. Jo- uh, Abrams. Abrams. You know, when all of these male figures were being written about and coming up, she was there churning out seven series of Gilmore Girls and not really getting any credit for it, but being a brilliant, fast-paced writer for women. And now she's been given the budget and the means to do whatever she wants. She can swear, she can write the characters she wants, she can cast who she wants. And it's gone and won Golden Globes and Emmys, which, it, you know, for a show like that, to win Emmys, Golden Globes, yes, but Emmys, that's really uh, something. And I just love it. I could watch it all why, again why, why now. Why do you say that? Just have a twist. Just because why, it's... Why a show like that? Uh, for a comedy that's on Amazon, a digital comedy, to win an Emmy. Uh, I mean, part of it was that Veep didn't run this year because Julia Louis-Dreyfus has been off uh, ill and uh, so, th- so there was no Veep to go up against and they normally win it. But um, a comedy on... A, a digital platform don't, don't win Emmys. They're not really recognised yet, and suddenly that that's right? turned. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't follow the American award. I don't follow TV awards at all. Really, the fact that it's a comedy and it's very female. Well, the fact that it's female based probably helped it a lot this year, uh, because you know everyone wants to be making sure that they seem to be backing the right horse there. But it is a great show and it deserved to win. Alex Borstein, when she she won an award for it as well, Best Supporting Actress, I think, uh, she stood up, uh, find the video, she stands up and she's wearing a long silver gown, a long silver sort of coat thing, and she stands up to get the award and she takes the coat off to reveal another long silver gown, exactly the same, and then goes up on stage. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a great show. What was it you said before, Matt? You haven't you haven't managed to get into this. No, I did. I, I watched oh, great. maybe five or six episodes, and I was enjoying it. And then I, but then I made the mistake of including my wife in it. Ah, and too um, late. Felt, fell foul of the. Oh, go to bed. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so I'm, I I have to just pick it up again by myself. I love it. Season two has a whole Heidi High uh, kind of few episodes to it as well and Zachary Levi aka Chuck is introduced I'll tell you what I never yes. realised when I was watching Chuck Jamie I ah, never realised the penny drops okay uh, <laughs> well imagine my joy when I love a show that much and then oh. Zachary Levi turns up I, d- I had no idea he was so bloody tall He's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's beefed huge. up for his superhero role, hasn't he? But tall I mean, c- I, I suppose everyone else in Chuck was tall as well yeah, go on, Matthew do they at any point exploit Yvonne Swarovski's sexuality? In she hasn't turned up in it yet. She's too busy with that stupid labouring... tick boxes for you in what shows you like. She's too busy with the handmaid's dirge to appear. Yeah, where it. she doesn't get into any kind of schoolgirl uniform. It's a, a shame. Damn shame. <laughs> damn shame. Um, 
Uh, I was really hoping in that last episode of series two they were going to have her change into a maid's outfit in the back of a jeep, but yeah. you know, you can't have it all. Yvonne Strovsky's pregnant as well. I'm not sure she's had the baby yet. Well, Congratulations well, to her. How dare she? Well, she hasn't got in touch with me yet, so I presume it's not mine. But uh, oh, that's oh, dreadful. Oh, Having just talked God. about feminism and how I oh, enjoy hell. this film. Why? Oh, Why did you straight do that? to hell. Two steps forward and 20 steps back. Straight to the bottom of the barrel. Continue with Maisel, Matt. And if you haven't started it, if you're listening, get on it. Let's talk about Black no, Mirror's Bandersnatch. Yeah. Jamie, I couldn't watch yeah. it because my TV, even though we've got an Apple TV, um, our TV isn't smart enough to be able to make choices. Oh, so I haven't what? been able to watch it. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. How do you use Netflix then? We play it on the do Apple you? TV. It's on an app on the Apple oh. TV. And, oh, and okay. it does everything. It's the latest version of Apple TV. It's brilliant. But a bloody thing comes up going, I'm afraid it actually plays you a one minute video going, I'm really sorry, but your TV isn't good enough to <laughs> make these choices. So we could. What a sham. Yeah, we could in theory like gather around my iPhone and watch it. That would work. But Why don't you stream well, your iPhone to the Apple TV? I tried it and it and it, uh, this only the sound would go to it. The, uh, the, 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 the video wouldn't work. Uh, it sounds like you're fucking up in some ways. No, no, yeah, uh, no. I mean, let's just, let's just explain anyway. Black Mirror's Bandersnatch. This is the film slash TV thing that came out over Christmas on Netflix. Charlie Brooker's latest offering from Black Mirror, and it's presented as an interactive film where you get to choose whether the main character does certain things, such as whether he sugar puffs or frosties, no. decisions like that, and these decisions have consequences to the plot it's like yeah, a, right. and, and of course it's based very you know on the kind of novels that were very big of the you know the choose your own adventure novels of our, of our youth yeah and this is obviously this is the age you know for the first this is the first time it's properly been done and we are in an age now where online you know online tv online dramas online uh, comedies you can do this now this is a possibility and it's more it's just more accessible it's more of a, a of a option to have shows that are more interactive because the way we watch things is more interactive with what we've got more in demand services where we can just choose exactly what we watch well why not choose exactly what we what what happens in what we watch and that is this is the first kind of iteration that we've seen of this kind of a show and it's definitely worth watching. So is this you like the dawn of the it. talkies, do you think? Uh, are there going to be lots of people saying this will never work and it's going to be, there's going to be more of it? I think the, there'll be more of it, definitely. I think this is just the start. So I, do I. I think there'll be, there's, there's some negatives. Like one of the negatives I found about this show was that the story wasn't actually that good. There's like, the problem. In amongst trying to make this very interactive experience... I didn't really care about the, the story and the, the characters enough, and I, I felt it just was a little bit pointless, and I didn't care about the different ending because I didn't care about the story. And there are various different endings on this. But I think you both should watch it and experience it for yourself, see what you think. I, I Charlie... do think that we'll see more of a lot more of this, and it'll be done better and better. Mm. Uh, and I think Charlie mm. Brooker will go back and do it again as well. Well, he was the man to do it, and uh, I heard... Charlie Brooker talking about it and it was like it sounded like a nightmare 
you know you have a big you so you get a whiteboard and you go right what are the different directions this is going and then you realize you need another whiteboard and then you need five whiteboards you know <laughs> to fit everything up and yeah. uh, but but with the you know the gaming industry is like bigger than hollywood isn't it now it's like multi-billion dollar industry and to think that the money isn't going to try and do more with this you you immediately think well perhaps this is going to the, the next step of this will be the uh, lighter entertainment will be the 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 more common market in terms of uh, yeah. what can we do so game shows you can well, you imagine a live game show where people can interact with what happens to the contestants or things yeah, like that yeah. um, I but, mean Netflix has confirmed they're going to do more interactive content this is only the beginning but the story um, the effort that's required for the story to be good that's the challenge the money that's required to uh, make essentially you know uh, what 50 films for every one film that you're making can you really guarantee a good story? If you, if you were to break it down to its smallest parts and say, right, standing around a campfire, someone's telling you a story, and uh, you interject and say, well, go this way. There's, a, there's something about that relationship which I kind of uh, instinctively am suspicious about, that the storyteller, part of, part of story is that you, are, you know the ending if you're the storyteller, and the, what you're setting up in Act 1 is directly related to act three and that's what we want we actually want to learn things about life and have bad things that happen restored by the end of it and things like that so the yeah yeah that's true that i think that it it's it's a balancing act but i think that someone's going to nail it like they haven't nailed it mm. but when you're doing it you, you kind of you're really engaged in it you're really engaged in the kind of decision making yeah and you've got a time limit as well so you only got like a certain amount of time before you've got to make those decisions and mm. so it is it is very very engaging it's very thrilling but at the same time whoever someone will get this right it's just they haven't got it right quite yet but you know that you know when you watch something this is this is good but it just isn't quite good enough story-wise to make me completely uh, submersed in this. So I suppose what, right. I suppose what I'm asking, money. I suppose what I'm asking is, is is it is the nature of the audience having a say something that will always make the audience themselves feel that it's not a good enough story? Right? Yeah, <laughs> something in our psychology point. that wants to be told the story. We we want to suspend our disbelief, pay our twenty quid in the theatre. And let Shakespeare do the work. And if we have to suddenly take a bit like Brexit, if suddenly we're given a decision-making process, will we just screw <laughs> it up and <laughs> regret it? You know. What do you think about that, Matthew? I'm not entirely sure. Mm. I, I, you, you remember there actually this actually has been done before um, a while back uh, uh, when. Um, <clears throat> oh yes, when, children's uh, TV. The, Sylvester McCoy. Not children's TV. No, I'm thinking of um, there was uh, there was a, a section of video games which did this for a while when there was like a kind of uh it was around when the thir first 32-bit consoles were coming out so playstation one time right and there, there was a there was a bunch of games which were essentially movies where you could choose your path through them and they were very poorly done they suffered from the same sort of things that you're talking about mm -hmm. um and i to i don't feel like i can comment until i've seen the thing yeah but yeah how do do we know how rich and varied the um, the tapestry of what it offers you is? Well, apparently it's huge. Yeah, there's the, you can if you look online, you can find a, a route map. It's almost like a yeah, this decision, yes, no, this takes you in this direction, and it shows you all the different routes, endings. It's very. 
deeply thought through. He's definitely put a lot of work into uh, uh, mapping out all the different alternative realities. It's almost like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I really hope that I'll get proved wrong, but it's almost like sometimes what we wish for the most... You know, like the king in Game of Thrones that everybody hated, and I forget his name. I always want to say John C, but it's not. It's uh, Joffrey. Um, you know, how much you want that guy gone. And let's just say, if you've not seen Game of Thrones, if you, if you were to be given a resolution that you want, you might actually then miss it instinctively. You love mm. to hate. Um, so, for example, if we gave Jamie a choice, Jamie, do we continue or end this podcast? Would it be satisfying? I think... I think if you ended it now, it'd be, it'd be a good place to end, actually, because my bolognese is ready. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.